So it's first Sunday, as you've heard several times. Uh, if you're new or visiting, uh, welcome. And uh, afterwards, we'll have wonderful time of fellowship with coffee and lemonade and donuts and cheese. Uh, if you didn't know, we do have a church app that you can download and uh, kind of stay up to date with everything going on. And if we ever send out announcements during the week, uh, there are welcome cards in the seats in front of you. You can fill out and drop in one of the boxes. Uh, we have a website. And then also there's several ways to give. Uh, a lot of you have chosen to do the online uh, giving, which we appreciate and really do appreciate everyone who gives so faithfully. So that's first Sunday's welcome. Love to meet you afterwards if I get a chance. Tyler, come on up. Hello, there we go. <laughs> Do just a little um, tribute to her, his father, because he grew up, um, not grew up, but he was a principal up in the Ohio Valley. He was really part of the, the educational system. And one of the things that kind of take away earlier on was recess. And Marvin just said, hey, we can't eliminate recess. It's so important for the kids to just the social skills and the interaction. So he fought for that and um, for playground equipment. So in return... The playground is the Marvin's playground, so it's so awesome. So go out and see that, and thank you for the Van Wagner family for the donation so we could do that. I mean, God truly provided, so thank you. So not unfortunately, but fortunately, I get the next two announcements or celebrations of life. Um, if you guys didn't know Ed Walker, he was he used to come here. He passed away about two years ago. There's a picture of him. You probably remember him driving that little Ford Ranchero. He was always at the donut shop in the morning. He was just the light. He loved Jesus, and he was just the light of the Ohio Valley. Every time you saw him, he was just smiling and saying hello. And so the Walker family are going to have a memorial for him May 9th. Um, they're going to do a um, 12 o'clock gravesite um, memorial, and then they're also going to do a 2 o'clock at the Wesleyan Church, which will be fun for us because that's where so we were homed and based out of. So. And there's going to be a uh, 2 o'clock memorial there. Just a time of um, refreshments and fellowship. And then if you didn't hear, Thelma went home to be with the Lord on Easter. I mean, sad, but oh my gosh, what better day to go home to be with our maker in, than is on Easter than when, when he was risen. So, so Thelma's up in heaven now, and we're going to be doing a memorial for her on May 28th, 4 p.m. here. So if you'd like to help in any way, please contact me. We're always looking for people to help. And it's just going to be a great celebration of Thelma's life. And if you didn't know Thelma, she was just a light in this valley as well. So come to the memorial and find out what, what she was, what was she's all about. So thank you. All right. Yes. Encourage you uh, adults go out there, check the playground out. Um, just a blessing, a blessing to be able to add that uh, to the back. Uh, a couple other announcements, Sunday morning men's group, uh, Matt and Jody were up here last Sunday and I took a peek out there this morning, great group of guys. Uh, gentlemen, if you can make it on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, uh, they're just sharing lives and just uh, work, working through life together and getting to know one another. So Matt and Jody are doing a great job. Uh, is Matt, are you in here? I don't know if Matt's in here. Um, 
So you can chat with Matt if you're interested you know, afterwards uh, outside and get more information. But guys, we encourage you to come out if you can do that on Sundays. And then uh, for me, finally, women, uh, there's a Bible study called Tuesdays at 2, uh, led by Cindy Mullins. And there's a sign-up sheet out on the welcome cart. And if you sign up, if you're interested in sign-up, Cindy's going to call you or follow up with you about the materials for the book, uh, for the study. I think it's the book of James. But there are some materials that she would like to get to you before the study. So ladies, if you're interested, uh, women, Tuesdays at 2, sign up on the uh, welcome cart, and Cindy will follow up with you. And a final announcement, youth, um, Shiloh and I, Shiloh's my wife, uh, we um, lead up the, the youth group on Wednesdays, and so traditionally, you know, we meet Wednesdays here at the well, sometimes we're outside from 6.30, but we're trying something new, so the first Wednesday of every month, starting in May, in a couple days, May 4th, we're going to be doing a youth home group, so we're going to have everyone over to our house, and we're just going to hang out. Uh, this week we're actually going to have pizza, uh, play some games. And it's just a chance for us all to spend more time together just to be, be with each other, build our relationships with one another. Uh, and hopefully, you know, this will continue on and we'll see how it goes, you know, should be going on out through, throughout the summer. Uh, so we'll be doing that starting May 4th, which if you don't know, is also Star Wars Day. So as they say, may the 4th be with you. Um, so good, good way to remember that. But this, and just remember, it's going to be 6 to 8. Uh, so it'll, you know, different, differ from our, you know, normal 630. So if you have any questions, you can, you know, talk to me, email me, call me, stuff like that. We are truly blessed with the gift of worship at the church. And yes, thank you. Oh, isn't it just good? Sometimes you just need to have those moments and just be able to be quiet not even just sing, but just listen. Just listen. So thank you, worship team, for that. Uh, we're going to continue going through our series in Philippians, and we're going to advance the ball just a couple verses in Philippians 3. Um, before we get there, I'll just kind of share with you, back in the early 90s, first church I was serving at in youth ministry uh, was a, a pretty big church in, in San Diego, and uh, they had rented a uh, junior high campus. And so they had taken over the whole campus, services were in the gym, and different rooms, you know, big rooms, the auditoriums were used for different things, and classrooms. But they were on this um, junior high campus. And so Thanksgiving was a big outreach for us. And what they would do is, uh, again, there were, you know, a few thousand people that would go, so they would use the gifts of the church. And uh, they would open up the campus, and in one room... uh, you know, it was a, an outreach to the homeless community in San Diego. And so uh, those who were homeless could come or those in need, they can get haircuts. There were a whole bunch of uh, hairstylists. You can get haircuts. They filled rooms with clothes. You can get clothes. They help people with resumes. You know, if you want to take a shower in the locker rooms, you could do that. And it was just an incredible outreach in, the, in addition to the food in the cafeteria, of course. And so uh, my buddy Chaz and I, uh, he, he had gotten his uh, bus license, and, and our church had uh, purchased an old school bus and, uh, as the church bus. And so uh, we got the idea that, hey, let's go to downtown San Diego, and it's about 20 minutes from our campus. The campus was in Claremont. So we hop on the bus, and we decide we're going to go to downtown. He's going to park in a lot, and I'm going to go run around and invite people to jump on the bus and come up to the campus and get what they need, and then we'll take them back and drop them off in downtown when they're finished. And so we get down there, 
and I jump off. He parks, and he says, okay, I need you back at a certain time, right? So I go off with flyers, and I'm just meeting people, and then... And it's getting close to where I know I have to turn around in order to get back to the bus on time. And uh, I'll never forget this. I, I'm racing around and just inviting as many people. as hey, the bus is over there. The bus is over there. Go in there and jump on the bus. We'll take you back. And uh, one guy, I, I'm talking with him, inviting him, and he looks up at me, older Hispanic gentleman, and he goes, what do I have to do to be saved? Like, nothing about the outreach, nothing about getting on the bus, he literally just looks up at me with all sincerity in his heart. He says, what do I need to do to be saved? And it's an interesting dilemma I was in because I was already kind of late to get back to the bus. And you're in that moment like, okay, what do I say? Right? What do I say? What would you say? You know you got to go. This isn't, you can't be there, but maybe 30 seconds or a minute more because you need to go. What would you say to that gentleman before you turned and ran back to the bus, which I did. So I had this conversation I shared and I ran back to the bus and I ran on there, jumped on there and Chaz is like, what happened? And I shared what happened. He goes, well, I thought two things. Either you were in a world of hurt <laughs> or you were sharing with somebody. And, and it, it's a powerful question, right? What do you say when you have 30 seconds when someone is, with all sincerity, looks you in the eye and says, what do I have to do to be saved? What would you say? What, what would you do? What, you know? And no, you say, don't call, don't look me up and say, hey, let me, hold on, I got someone talk to him. Now, what would you say? Not, not hand him off to me, right? And hopefully by the end of today's message, you'll know what you would say if you had 30 seconds. Because what you would say, that's, it's what the world needs. It's what the world needs. And sometimes we overcomplicate the message. And maybe even with the best of intentions, we kind of muddy it and you know, maybe spin people off into directions that, that they don't need to go. And so, uh, very powerful question. What would you say? What must I do to be saved? You got 30 seconds. Go. What would you say? Okay? And, and in Philippians, we're talking about this salvation issue, right? Philippians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. The theme is joy. He's writing to believers in the city of Philippi. And if there's ever a gentleman who has sort of street cred to write about joy, it's the Apostle Paul writing from house arrest, very trying life, right? A lot of persecution, trials and tribulations. And so in Philippians is a letter about joy. So just the mere fact that he's the author, you should perk up and go, okay, wow, this guy, this guy's talking about joy in the midst of everything he's going through. And we've been looking in Philippians 3, and we'll read Philippians 3, 1, 2, and 3. It says this, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are their circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Last week, we focused on the difference between biblical joy or rejoicing and the world's definition of happiness. We saw this quote, what is joy? Joy is a supernatural delight in God and God's goodness. And it is a very different thing from happiness. Happiness is circumstantial, but not joy. 
Joy is an inner quality of delight in God or gladness. And it is meant to spring up within the Christian in a way totally unrelated to the adversities or circumstantial blessings of this life. So just think about it this past week. How was your joy? How was your joy? All right, we talked about, uh, you know, many of us are raised with the pursuit of happiness. And happiness is often, you know, if this happens, then I'll be happy. If I get the job, if I get the raise, if I get the car, if I get the house, right? It's very circumstantial, very future tense, right? Or until, then I'll be happy. I won't be happy until. And we, we focused last week on really the difference between circumstance and relationship. If you're a believer, if you're, if you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you can have biblical joy that is rooted in a relationship with Jesus despite circumstances. Amen? It doesn't mean you're plastic and you're fake and you're, you know, phony. Ah, you know? No, it means in the midst of very trying circumstances, you can still have deep joy, peace, contentment, because it's not based on circumstance. And this is where a lot of people in the last couple of years with the pandemic and everything happening in the Ukraine and everything happening with the economy, you know, everything going on, we, because of the media, social media and the media, we're bombarded with circumstance and happenstance and ups and downs. You know, you turn on the news, you never know what you're going to hear anymore, right? And if we're not careful, we can be kind of like thermometers, where our joy level reflects what's going on around us, right? A thermometer reflects the temperature of a room, right? A thermostat impacts and changes it, right? So if we're not careful, our joy, because we're focusing on circumstances around us, can go like this. When last week we saw that it's really rooted in relationship. That's how come we can be consistent, okay? says this, a quote from David Curtis says, Our joy comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's different from happiness, the happiness of good health, because true joy persists in weakness, pain, illness, and even death. It's different from the happiness that we get from a new house or new car or new clothes or anything else because it persists through the loss of everything. Why? Because it is founded in a relationship that can never be broken. Amen? Okay, so, so deeply, when you get up in the morning, you can have joy. You can start off every morning with joy just by opening your ears and say, thank you that I have a relationship with you, Jesus, today. Amen? That is radically different than opening your eyes and going, oh, my gosh. I got to deal with this and this and this. How many of you go there oftentimes when you wake up? You, you already know what's coming right? And you're bracing for it. And it's like, oh, right? Versus joy right off the bat. Thank you. Thank you. I have another day of life. Thank you that I'm in relationship with you, you, Jesus. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. You're good all the time. You never change. Amen. Right? See, see right off the bat, joy. And then if you have that joy coming forward, you, now you're proactive into the day. Now you are responding from a place of joy and peace rather than reacting and being tossed to and fro, right? And so in this passage, last week we focused on verse 1. In verse 2 and 3, he, he makes this pretty big transition. It's, hey, rejoice in the Lord. And then in verse 2 and 3, let's put that up again. It says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision 
who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He makes this hard change because he's dealing, in context, he's dealing with legalism and legalists. We call them the Judaizers, okay? And it's really important. He says, you know what? One of the ways to safeguard yourself against legalism and getting caught up in duty-bound and losing all your joy is actually rejoicing, right? Jack Arnold says this, Rejoicing is a safeguard to legalism. The rejoicing Christian will never be a legalist Christian, legalistic Christian. Why? A rejoicing Christian is wrapped up and occupied with Christ. He is dominated by the thought that all he is and has is because of Christ. Because Christ is a source of his joy, he does not look to add anything to salvation or sanctification. Amen? See, what can happen if you're not clear about salvation and sanctification, the reason you lose your joy is you're not occupied with Jesus, you're occupied with yourself. You're occupied with yourself. How many of you at times have been really bummed out because you blew it again as a believer? How many of you are your worst critic? How many of you keep score and add it up at the end of the day, right? We've talked about even confessing sin, that you can confess as you go. How many of you used to think you had to wait till the end of the day and confess them all right before you went to sleep, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, I feel horrible, right? No, you can confess as you go, right? Because the good news is when you confess your sins, God forgives you, and the Bible says he remembers your sin no more, amen? Right? People remember your sin, right? But not God. Isn't that cool, right? But if we can rejoice... It also safeguards us against this legalistic joy killing. Because again, we're going to see legalism focuses on me rather than Jesus. Okay? So again, in the New Living Translation in verse 2, he says, Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. He's talking about a, a, a group called the Judaizers. Okay, these were Jews that essentially said it's faith plus the Mosaic law, and specifically circumcision, okay? It's like, it's not enough, you Gentiles, to just believe, just have faith. You gotta be circumcised, okay? Now, look at this. He says, look out, beware, right? Say, hey, keep an eye out for these guys, right? He's like, beware, look out, keep a sharp eye. And, and it's interesting because, again, uh, who's back there? Who's, put up uh, Philippians 2. It says, look out for the dogs, Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Those aren't like really nice words, are they? I mean, right? For those who think, oh, the Bible's just... No. The Apostle Paul is... is, This is a huge call out. This is huge. When he says dogs, he's not talking Lassie and Benji. I just dated myself, right? Everyone who laughed, you just dated yourself too. It's like, Lassie? Who's Lassie? Benji? All of you just dated yourself with me, right? He's not talking about your little one at home that's all cute and cuddly. He's not talking lapdogs. What he's talking about are the dogs that roam the streets, the scavengers, the unclean, the ones that are vicious and filled with fleas, right? Scavengers. That's what he's calling the Jews. It's, it's a term of reproach. He's slamming them. He calls them evildoers. He calls them mutilators. You got to, this is a big deal. This is a very big deal, right? William Barclay says this, it was the teaching of these Jews that if a man wished to be saved, he must earn credit in the sight of God by countless deeds of the law. 
And further, that salvation belonged to the Jews and to no one else. And that, before God could have any use for him, a man must be circumcised and, as it were, become a Jew. That's not a little thing. Because that just undercuts the gospel. That just destroys the good news. Right? And that's why he says they're dogs. They're evildoers. They're mutilators. Right? I mean, he was he was not minting words. Right? It was very, very serious. Okay? And, and when he calls them evildoers and evil workers, some versions say evil workers, what he's saying is that, you know what? It's evil because they're doing damage to the gospel. When you do faith plus works, it becomes about pride. And pride is the root of so much sin, right? So, so they're sending people astray. It's faith plus works. They bring in pride in the flesh. That's why he says they're evil, right? And, and it's not even like they're intentionally doing it. They are sincere in their beliefs that this is right, right? But they're sincerely wrong, right? So he says, I, I, maybe, they, maybe they have the best of intentions, but they're off here. They're off in a big way because this goes to the core of the gospel. And this is something we and you need to be really clear on. How are you saved? Right? Because a guy asks you on downtown San Diego or at Libby Park, what must I do to be saved? What would you say? Faith plus? Is it going to be faith plus? Or would, what would you say? And this is real important even for the church. Same church in San Diego, there was this season where those of us on staff, we became aware that there was another church in San Diego who uh, were, I don't know what's the best word, infiltrating our services and trying to build a relationship with the people that attended our church to try to draw them away. And in a very same way, this particular organization believed you had to be baptized to be saved. And in fact, you had to be baptized in their church. And so they were actually coming to our services and buddying up to people, inviting them out, da-da-da-da-da, all with the intent to sow discord and doubt and get our people over there. Same thing. They had to be baptized. Not only baptism, but you had to be baptized in our church and belong to our church. It still exists today. This still exists today. Don't think that this has gone away. Okay? You have to be, and you still have to be on the lookout. You still have to be on the lookout. All right? Because this belief goes directly opposed to Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Amen? How many of you are so relieved and blessed that it's not by works? Right? Because if it was by works, one of the elements is how did you know you did enough? That's the challenge when you go down the works road. How do you know you're, you're good to go? In some religions and organizations, you never know. So you live with this lingering fear and doubt that you've never done enough. That's what faith plus works does. So it creates fear, anxiety, sort of like duty, drudgery, and then it creates pride for those who think you've done enough. Both of those what? Kill your joy. Steal your joy. Okay? I love this quote by Charles Swindoll. Such folks live on to this day, spreading their heresy. Their message is full of exhortations to do more, to work harder, to witness longer, to pray with greater intensity, because enough is never enough. Such folks are evil workers, 
who will take away what little bit of joy you may be able to muster. I would also add that when you never know how much is enough to satisfy God, you are left in a continual state of shame and obligation. Your mind never rests. The message of the legalists always finds you lacking. It never brings relief. We need to be aware of such messengers. They are, according to scripture, evil workers. You know why this is so so slick and so sly? Because we're raised in a works-oriented culture. Many of us were raised in families or in school or in work where it was your performance. If certain grades, da, 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 then you're accepted, right? So many of us are hardwired to perform for acceptance and belonging and love and affirmation. Some of us, maybe very few of us, feel loved just for you. Feel love that you never had to measure up. You didn't compare yourself to your older brother, your older sister, right? And you, if you want to be successful, you got to, you got, right? Many of us, this legalistic works framework seeps into the church because many of us are just hardwired that way. We like checking off boxes. We like climbing the corporate slash Christian ladder, right? And what can happen over time? You get saved, you have joy, you put your faith in Jesus, and over time, you get involved with the church, and the pastors encourage you to what? Get involved. Get involved. Give. Go to Bible study, right? And suddenly you're like, ah, ah. And suddenly when you see me coming this way, you go that way. I know because I watch you. You're like, oh, here he comes again. He's going to ask about kingdom kids again. Oh, you're going to, you know. (laughs) Just because I've been there too, you know. And so we start like taking alternate routes because you know my route. I go this way. So you're like from 8 to 8.45, we got to come in this way because he always comes in this way. See, Linda, you betrayed yourself. You know, right? Because why? Even with the best of intentions and the needs of the church, if we're not careful, we begin to heap burdens on you. You got to do more, you know, because Jesus really loves more. Wink, wink. You're on the A team around here if you do more, right? And, and then, you know, life happens and, and you, you just can't and you need to take a break, but you feel really guilty, you know, and it's like, send me a text. You know, it's like, you know, look, let me, let me put you at ease around at least the well. Yes, there are needs here. There are always needs. Kingdom kids. There are, there are never ending needs. Every church has needs. We want you to serve out of joy. We genuinely want you to serve, give, whatever you do here. Seek the Lord. He, we have told you before, he has given everybody in the church a gift to be used for the edification of the church. Amen. You have a responsibility, not to me, not to the well, to him. It's his church. He says, hey, church, I'm going to put you in little gatherings. And in little gatherings, I'm going to bring gifts to be used for the edification of the little gathering and the bigger picture church. Amen. That's what we want you to do here. Seek the Lord. Test the waters in different ministries. If it doesn't work in this ministry, that's fine. We can find where your gifts match, your personality. It's fine. We want your serving here to enhance your spiritual growth, amen? To, to like be a source of meeting other people, to celebrating God using you, whether it's through worship or youth ministry, and that you're, it's like win-win. I have been in the megachurch system 
And I know what it is to sort of have so many needs that you feel like it's just the machine and you're using people to keep the machine running and it's just like the mill and people come in, they serve, they leave, they come in, they serve, they leave. I know that. And that's why I probably feel this strongly that, you know what? Yeah, there's always needs and it would sort of be easier. I'll just be honest with you. It would be easier to play the God really loves you if you serve card. And if you really love Jesus, you would do kingdom kids. You know, guilt, manipulation, works. Unfortunately, those cards still work in the church. And then we're not here loving you as shepherds. We're here using you because we need slots to fill. And so what we have chosen to do here is seek the Lord, really pray that God puts it on people's heart to step up and do what they're supposed to do as parts of the body, whether it's at this church or another church. And in the meantime, we're going to do our best. And we're just going to be faithful with what God provides. Amen? Okay, so I really want to share this with you because, because again, if you're not clear on this, it's not just faith plus works in salvation. You can bring this plus works into your sanctification. And you lose your joy. And it's just like, I'm so burnt out. How many of you, just kind of in life in general, feel a little burnt out? Just a little, right? All that's going on in the world, in your life, da-da-da, and then along comes Pastor Tyler, hey, nursery needs help, and you're like, right? I mean, you're like, dude, I really love to, but I can't. I'm just so tired. I'm just so worn out, and we get that. We just want you to know we get that, and, and our heart here is that serving the Lord would be an act of obedience and joy joyful serving, okay? So we do, seek the Lord. Step up, yeah, it'll be uncomfortable, it'll require a change and all that, but it should be something that really helps your spiritual maturity, amen? Okay, that's our heart here. And then he says in verse 32, in the King James Version, it's really interesting, he says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. It's really interesting. In other versions, he says, beware of the mutilators, right? That word concision is, is actually a Greek word that means mutilation, okay? There's another word in the Greek that means circumcision, okay? And without getting too graphic, in the Greek, the word circumcision means cut around, okay? The Greek word for that means cut around. The word he uses here for concision or mutilation means to cut through. It's mutilation. So what he's saying, again, it's pretty graphic and it's pretty in your face. He says, you know what? Here's the deal. This this being circumcised to be saved is so wrong that they're just mutilating your body. That's what he's saying. He says, if you think that getting physically circumcised means you're saved, you just mutilated your body. That's why he calls them mutilators. It's that heavy of a deal. It's like that doesn't do a thing except mutilate your body if that's the reasoning behind it. Okay, this is, this is that serious. And so... Just if, if you're familiar with church history, in Acts 15, this very question came to the church council in Jerusalem, okay? And they went before the council and said, hey, you know what? These Judaizers are telling the Gentiles they have to be circumcised. And the church council in Acts 15, I encourage you to read it, addresses the issue. They discuss it. They seek the Lord. And they say, nope. Nope. That's not a requirement for salvation. In fact, James, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote the book of James, in Acts 15, 19, they say this, Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. What that means is we're not adding circumcision. Faith is plenty. You are saved 
by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen? That they, they resolved this, the church council, okay, church leadership. In the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians is written for this very issue, okay? Galatians 5.1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in, in slavery to the law. Verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. How many are glad that it's only faith? Whew. The challenge is to keep only faith as you move forward. Again, it's real easy to get tied up into the works mode, faith plus works as you mature in Christ. You gotta be really careful that it's flowing out of faith. He says here, working it through love, okay? So in verse two, he's talking about the legalist. Verse three, he switches to talking about us. In verse three, he says this, for we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So he's talking about believers and now he uses the same thing, but he's talking about spiritual circumcision. Okay. The legalists were talking about this external ritualistic act. He's saying, you know what? No, we are the circumcision because it happens in the heart. Romans two, for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. What he's saying is, you when you put your faith in Christ, God changes your heart. You get a new heart, transformed. That's when, you, when you're born again, right? Regeneration, you're born again. There is an internal spiritual circumcision that changes your heart. We saw in Philippians that makes you want to do the things of God. Amen? How many of you want to read your Bible? And how many of you would admit that at some point in your life, you wanted nothing to do with the Bible? How many of you want to come to church? How many of you would admit at some point in your life, you wanted nothing to do with church? What changed? Your heart. When you put your faith in Christ, there was a spiritual circumcision of your heart. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, it's God who works in us to will, to want to do his will, and then to empower us to do it. Amen? That's what he's talking about. So circumcision in the new covenant is a spiritual circumcision. Super important that you get that, okay? And then he says uh, in Colossians 2, in the New Living, he says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So what does this mean? Again, it goes back to why do you serve? Why do you do anything you do in the church? It should be out of a God-given desire, not to try to do some physical act, ritualistic act to earn God's merit. Okay? So I encourage you, those who are serving, sometimes it's healthy to go, well, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And if you're not serving, it's healthy to say, why aren't I doing it? That's just as important. Why aren't I serving? Why aren't I actively contributing, right? In fact, you've heard me say before, on Sundays, if you want to radically change your Sunday experience here at the well, before you get here, purpose in your heart to be a giver and not just a getter, right? You've heard me say this before. A lot of people go to church on Sunday to get something, to get a good sermon, to get good worship, to get 
coffee and donuts and cheese, right? To get fellowship. A lot of us in our consumer-driven culture, because we don't understand the church biblically, we come on Sundays to get. Now, is there anything wrong with being blessed by coming here? No. How many of you are blessed by coming here? You, you get blessings, right? You enjoy the fellowship. We laugh, right? But your blessing of what you get here should be from a heart that wants to give. So, Lord, on Sunday, I'm go- we're going to the well. I want to be a giver. Okay, that might be an act of serving, but it might mean I want to give someone a smile. I want to give someone a hello, how are you doing? I want to give a handshake. I want to give someone a prayer. I want to, if you come here with giver eyes, your whole Sunday changes. You only have to serve in an official capacity. And now you are using, being used by God to bring encouragement to someone here on a Sunday that none of the pastors would ever even have a chance to talk to because we're so busy. Okay, let me ask you this. How many of you on a Sunday have been blessed by a conversation you've had afterwards with one of brother and sister in Christ? Just you were blessed. And you were like, oh my gosh, that was so great. Right? Why? Because you're giving to each other. You're bearing each other's burdens. It's not just tunnel vision me. So I want to encourage you, starting there, come on a Sunday and say, Lord, lead me to who you want me to talk to today. Seriously. Lord, is there someone that needs encouragement? Is there someone I can pray for? Is there someone that just needs a, right? Because I share this with our leadership team. We never forget that. I know some of you are busy with kids and it's like, you know, this is nice. But there's a lot of people that come to church that this is their gathering. And most of the time during the week, they don't have a lot of socialization and and social contact. So this matters. This matters. I've known that from day one right? And so when it comes here, that's why we love the fellowship time. That's why we don't just like shoo you away. This matters, amen? Just sharing lives, just getting to know each other, just at, how was your day? How was your week? Having coffee, and it, it matters at the human level because God made us to be relational, amen? Okay, so we come here not just to get, but to be givers, even if it's just, hello, how are you? Okay, just an acknowledgement. And then he says, we glory in Christ, right? If you're a believer, put your faith in Jesus, suddenly it's not about me. I just want to boast in him, right? I just want to boast in him. Jeremiah 9, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me And understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness righteousness to the earth. And that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. So we're not here to boast in ourselves. Boast in Christ. Right? Boast in what he's doing in your life. Give all the glory to him. And we put no confidence in the flesh. It's not about us anymore. And that's challenging, again, because a lot of us have been raised that it's all about us. Pull myself up. I got to be a, you know, driver, you know, and, and, and again, the world feeds it. Depending on what YouTube channels you're watching and what authors you're reading, you know, you can get real fired up to be the best version of yourself. And you don't need God because it's all about you, right? Apostle Paul says we put no confidence in the flesh. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you don't care. It doesn't mean that you're not responsible. It doesn't mean you don't have goals or strive for things. What it means is that your walk isn't about you. You give all, you boast in him, 
My confidence is in God. Amen? Right? I told the worship team, God has gifted all of us. We do our best. We rehearse. We were here Thursday. We got here like at 845. We rehearse. We do our best. Okay? In the human sense, we do our best. But we also understand we need the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural act that puts it all together. And so in your life, you work out your salvation. It is God who works in you both to will and to do, right? So we have this blending of the natural, our life, what's happening, our gifts, our talents, our resources, what's going on in our life. And we live in a supernatural world because we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit and we're new creations. Amen? That sets us apart. If you're a believer, you live in the natural and the supernatural. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a citizen of heaven. Amen? Okay? And that's why these verses are so important because it's so easy for our joy to be lost when we focus on circumstances and we emphasize the natural over the supernatural. Okay? There's a blending. There's a blending. Charles Swindoll says, Not only were the pressures of life enough to steal their joy, there were also the ever-present legalists, ancient grace killers on the loose. And nobody can rob people of joy quicker than a few narrow-minded legalists. Paul's great concern was that his Philippian friends continue to enjoy their freedom in Christ and not allow anything or anyone to get the best of them. He never got tired of telling them that. And you're never, we're never going to get tired of telling you here at the well, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. The freedom that comes. Now, it's not a license to sin, but what it is is that we want you to so rejoice in Christ, to so fall into love, in love with Jesus that you just want to honor him. Amen? Right? It's like in a relationship. You fall in love. How many of you have ever fallen in love and you find yourself going out of the way for the person that you love? As opposed to them giving you the law. <laughs> Some people are like, oh. The law, right? If you love me, da 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 da, prove it, da 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 da, right? There's no different. The Bible says, "What's the first and greatest commandment? Love God with your whole being," right? And Jesus says, "If you do that, you'll obey me." See, when when Jesus says, "If you love me, you'll obey me," we flip that completely wrong. Oh, see, you have to prove your love. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me, right? Many of us, because of how we're raised, we flip that into works. What he's saying is, if you love me, obedience will be the fruit. Amen? That's the freedom. Thank you. That's the freedom. That is the freedom that honestly, quite honestly, has been lost in the church. Either because we, we haven't understand, we, we drift away from the faith of salvation, and we slide into faith plus works in our maturing or we inadvertently just heap stuff on you. We just want you to love Jesus. That is our heart here. And we're all in sanctification. And some issues you get resolved pretty quick. Other issues, how many of you have been stuck on an issue for quite a while in your walk with Jesus? And like, oh my gosh. Right? Thank you. Yeah, we get that. We get that. It's not a quick fix. But what we want you to do is just keep loving him day in and day out, loving him more and more. And we believe that over time, he will work through the issues inside out, out of a love relationship. Amen? We don't need to be the spiritual popo around here. Because I'll tell you right now, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And if we were that, you know what would happen? You would just go find somewhere else. 
We genuinely want you, and we do our best around here, whether it's up on Sundays or coffee or whatever we do, we want to just help you love Jesus more. Because we believe if you love Jesus more, your life will just reflect that. It just will. It just will in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so, back to the beginning, what would you say? You got 30 seconds. You got 30 seconds. What would you say? How, how do I get saved? After hearing all of this, right? Oh, man, I don't want to be a dog. I don't want to be an evildoer. I don't want to be accused of being a mutilator. You got 30 seconds. What would you say? Right? How, how do I get saved? I, I, can't, I can't go to your campus. I, 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 it's great, but I can't leave myself. How do I get saved? But maybe this story will help you. It's, it's told by Erwin uh, Lutzer, who was uh, from the Moody Church, right? And he writes this. It's about a gentleman named John Harper. He says, let me take you back in time. The date is Wednesday, April 10th, 1912. And the world watches in awe as the glamorous Titanic begins her maiden voyage. But little did the world know that the greatest ship man ever made would be on the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean only four days later. And on that ship in the second class section was a man named John Harper who was coming to America to preach here at Moody Church. I first heard the phenomenal story of John Harper many years ago while growing up in Canada. My brother showed me a one-page tract titled, I Was Harper's Last Convert. It was a story told by a man who floated next to Harper briefly in the icy waters of the Atlantic. If you had been with John Harper on the Titanic that fateful night, you would have felt a tremendous jolt when the mighty ship collided with an iceberg on the starboard side of her bow. You would have heard the hull plates buckle as an iceberg tore a 300-foot-long gash in the side of the ship. And you may have even heard the panic in the captain's voice when he knew his ship was sinking and he only had enough lifeboats for half of the passengers. The captain also knew he had to keep order among the 2,227 people on board. So he asked John Harper to remain on deck and keep peace among the passengers. If you had been on deck, you would have seen families torn apart. Husbands saying goodbye as they watched their wives and children leave on lifeboats. Wives deciding to stay on board to die with their husbands. Children waving goodbye to their parents and praying that they would see each other again. And you would have seen John Harper kiss his six-year-old daughter Nana goodbye and put her safely in a lifeboat. As the minutes crept by and all of the lifeboats were gone, 1,521 people were left on board the sinking ship, including Harper. With every minute that passed, the deck became steeper as the bow plunged under the water. Finally, the ship broke in two, hurling the remaining passengers into the icy depths of the Atlantic. It is said the ship's lights blinked once, then went out, leaving people to freeze to death in the darkness of the Atlantic. And the few hundred people that were safe in lifeboats could see their husbands, fathers, and many other families as they were shrieking in terror and thrashing in the water, trying to gasp for breath. But during this horrific tragedy, God was at work. You see, Harper wasn't afraid to die. He knew that he was going to come face to face with his maker, and he wanted other people to know his Lord and Savior. And then I'm going to share with you uh, the testimony of a young Scottish guy. He says, four years later, a young Scotsman by the name of Agilla Webb stood up in a meeting in Hamilton, Canada, and gave the following testimony. I am a survivor of the Titanic. 
When I was drifting alone on a spar or a piece of wreckage, that awful night, the tide brought Mr. John Harper of Glasgow, also on a piece of wreck near me. Man, he said, are you saved? No, I said, I am not. He replied, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The waves bore him away. But strange to say, brought him back a little later. And he said, are you saved now? No, I said, I cannot honestly say that I am. He said again, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And shortly after he went down and there alone in the night and with two miles of water under me, I believed. I am John Harper's last convert. I think about that. It wasn't faith plus anything. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's the message they need. That's the exact same message that this world needs. Amen. We don't need to make we don't make need to make it over complicated. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou will be saved. That's the same message that the when the jailer, right? Miraculous, and the jailer thinks that Paul and Silas, you know, the earthquake happens, everyone gets out, and the jailer's about to kill himself, and Paul's like, Don't do that, we're all here, right? In Acts 16, and the jailer asked Paul, What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That's the message. That's the message. Someone, someone, what do I gotta be? What do I have to do to be saved? You got 30 seconds. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Amen. That's the message. And I'm hoping for you as believers, you go back to that day when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you were saved. Amen? Come on. It wasn't faith plus that saved you. You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you were saved. Amen? Just take a deep breath and relax your shoulders. Because some of you have been through the grind and I know your heart, and I know you want to honor God, and I know you want to be more mature, and I know you want to fulfill your responsibilities at the church. I know you do. I know you do. And I know when you sin, you get convicted, and I know you, you, know, you beat yourself up. I get that. But what I want to just encourage you today, like for even a brief moment, go back to the moment that you were just saved by faith before Christianity got real complicated. Amen? You came to this place. I need a savior. I'm separated from God from my sin. I can't save myself. It's not by works. Jesus, in the best way I know how, I'm believing on you as my savior and Lord. Boom, you're saved. Amen? Just go there. Go back to there. Because I think sometimes we get so wound up and we overcomplicate it and we get so bound as Christians that we don't even know why we do what we do anymore. And we've lost our joy. And we're just waiting to get to the pearly gates. And it's my cross to bear. And Come on. Come on. Go back to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved. Amen? It's fine. You didn't have it together back then, did you? Did you? How many of you were a total wreck when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen? Just, yeah. Loster than lost. Like just out there. 
How many of you? And you just cried out and you were saved, name written in the book of life, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, just because you had faith. Amen? Some of us in the church just need to go back to there. And you know what happened? Joy. It'll just, your joy will come back. Right? Now, is life heavy at times? Yes. Are there serious issues? Yes. It's not like, again, we're phony or fake. It just means that we have got to come back at a place that, you know what? I was saved by grace through faith, and I live every day by grace through faith. That's just how I live. I do my best. I want to honor God. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. You're not perfect. None of us are, right? That's not the point. The point is, we're just here on this journey to love God and to share the good news with people that need it, just like we did at one point. Amen? So, let's just come back. I don't know. I, I, I was thinking like, Lord, this is a pretty basic message, and this is, this is for the church. He goes, yeah, because the church is tied up in knots, and the church has lost its joy. And where did we drift? Away from the simplicity that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we're saved. We're just a gathering of the redeemed. Amen? That's all we are. All of us. If you're a believer, you are saved by grace through faith in the same way I am. We're just a bunch of saved by grace through faith. That's all, that's all this is. That's all this is. So you got to cut us slack. We'll cut you slack and then you cut yourself slack. Amen? Just be. Just seriously. We get so like this, and like this, and we're like this, and we're like this, and we don't know what it's okay to raise our hands, and we don't know if it's okay, and we're so done. And Jesus is like, just love me. Just love me. I just want you to love me. Seriously. And, th- and that's our heart here. Just love him. Love him. And sometimes that means going back to the moment that you realized he loves you first. When you realized, oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? He did that while I was yet a sinner. Let that love wash over you. Let that love so overwhelm you and see what that does for your joy. Okay? Some of you, I just want to encourage you, just for what it is. I don't know, I don't know your story. I don't know where you are with the Lord. But please never lose that first love, that first moment when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you were saved. And then just carry that joy into the rest of the day. Can you do that? Can you do that? And if you mess up, you mess up. Confess it, receive God's forgiveness, and just keep on going. Just keep on going. But don't lose your joy. Just don't lose your joy. And if you're here or you're listening online and you don't know if you have that relationship, well, here's the good news. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You're like, really? Really? Yeah, I know. When my friends used to share this with me before I was saved, I was like, what's the catch? Where's the fine print? What's the hook? And they're like, there's no hook. I'm like, there's got to be. What do you mean there's no hook? You mean just believe? I mean, put my whole faith, trust him? Yeah, just trust him. It's too simple. The crazy thing is the gospel is too simple to some. Because they need the works. They want to feel like they contributed. They want to feel like they did something to earn it or merit it. No, you have nothing. You just receive it. Just receive it. So my encouragement to you, if you've not received it, 
Today, receive it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Amen? So it's first Sunday, as you've heard several times. Uh, if you're new or visiting, uh, welcome. And uh, afterwards, we'll have wonderful time of fellowship with coffee and lemonade and donuts and cheese. Uh, if you didn't know, we do have a church app that you can download and uh, kind of stay up to date with everything going on. And if we ever send out announcements during the week, uh, there are welcome cards in the seats in front of you. You can fill out and drop in one of the boxes. Uh, we have a website. And then also there's several ways to give. Uh, a lot of you have chosen to do the online uh, giving, which we appreciate and really do appreciate everyone who gives so faithfully. So that's for Sunday's welcome. Love to meet you afterwards if I get a chance. Tyler, come on up. Hello, there we go. <laughs> Do just a little um, tribute to her, his father, because he grew up, um, not grew up, but he was a principal up in the Ohio Valley. He was really part of the, the educational system. And one of the things they tried to take away earlier on was recess. And Marvin just said, hey, we can't eliminate recess. It's so important for the kids to just the social skills and the interaction. So he fought for that and um, for playground equipment. So in return... The playground is the Marvin's Playground, so it's so awesome. So go out and see that, and thank you for the Van Wagner family for the donation so we could do that. I mean, God truly provided, so thank you. So not unfortunately, but fortunately, I get the next two announcements or celebrations of life. Um, if you guys didn't know Ed Walker, he was he used to come here. He passed away about two years ago. There's a picture of him. You probably remember him driving that little Ford Ranchero. He was always at the donut shop in the morning. He was just the light. He loved Jesus, and he was just the light of the Ohio Valley. Every time you saw him, he was just smiling and saying hello. And so the Walker family are going to have a memorial for him May 9th. Um, they're going to do a um, 12 o'clock gravesite um, memorial, and then they're also going to do a 2 o'clock at the Wesleyan Church, which will be fun for us because that's where so we were homed and based out of. So. And there's going to be a uh, 2 o'clock memorial there, just a time of um, refreshments and fellowship. And then if you didn't hear, Thelma went home to be with the Lord on Easter. I mean, sad, but oh my gosh, what better day to go home to be with our maker in, than is on Easter than when, when he was risen. So, so Thelma's up in heaven now, and we're going to be doing a memorial for her on May 28th, 4 p.m. here. So if you'd like to help in any way, please contact me. We're always looking for people to help. And it's just going to be a great celebration of Thelma's life. And if you didn't know Thelma, she was just a light in this valley as well. So come to the memorial and find out what, what she was, what was she's all about. So thank you. All right. Yes. Encourage you uh, adults go out there, check the playground out. Um, just a blessing, a blessing to be able to add that uh, to the back. Uh, a couple other announcements, Sunday morning men's group, uh, Matt and Jody were up here last Sunday and I took a peek out there this morning, great group of guys. Uh, gentlemen, if you can make it on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, uh, they're just sharing lives and just uh, work, working through life together and getting to know one another. So Matt and Jody are doing a great job. Uh, is Matt, are you in here? I don't know if Matt's in here. Um, 
So you can chat with Matt if you're interested you know, afterwards uh, outside and get more information. But guys, we encourage you to come out if you can do that on Sundays. And then uh, for me, finally, women, uh, there's a Bible study called Tuesdays at 2, uh, led by Cindy Mullins. And there's a sign-up sheet out on the welcome cart. And if you sign up, if you're interested in sign up, Cindy's going to call you or follow up with you about the materials for the book, uh, for the study. I think it's the book of James. But there are some materials that she would like to get to you before the study. So ladies, if you're interested, uh, women, Tuesdays at 2, sign up on the uh, welcome cart and Cindy will follow up with you. Okay. And a final announcement, youth, um, Shiloh and I, Shiloh's my wife, uh, we um, lead up the, the youth group on Wednesdays, and so traditionally, you know, we meet Wednesdays here at the well, sometimes we're outside from 6.30, 8, but we're trying something new, so the first Wednesday of every month, starting in, in May, in a couple days, May 4th, we're going to be doing a youth home group, so we're going to have everyone over to our house, and we're just going to hang out. Uh, this week we're actually going to have pizza, uh, play some games. And it's just a chance for us all to spend more time together just to be, be with each other, build our relationships with one another. Uh, and hopefully, you know, this will continue on and we'll see how it goes, you know, should be going on out through, throughout the summer. Uh, so we'll be doing that starting May 4th, which if you don't know, is also Star Wars Day. So as they say, may the 4th be with you. Um, so good, good way to remember that. But this, and just remember, it's going to be 6 to 8. Uh, so it'll, you know, different, differ from our, you know, normal 630. So if you have any questions, you can, you know, talk to me, email me, call me, stuff like that. So.